1: State Farm, Bloomington,
0: Illinois.
2: Hey everyone, it's Slaney. I'm releasing this Get Vocal live stream that I did. Now I'm releasing it as a regular episode so that you have an opportunity to submit your entry where I will be drawing the name of the winner on my Get Vocal live stream on Thursday. Okay, on with the show. Okay, welcome to the Get Vocal stream. I am Lainey Hobbs. I am your host. I host the True Crime Fan Club podcast, and you are likely watching us here on the Get Vocal live stream or listening to us through the podcast feed. Now, today I have a very special guest with me. We are going to be discussing her latest book that is going to be released on August 28th. it's called Into the Forest and All the Way Through. It's a collection of true crime poetry of missing and murdered women by Cynthia Pelayo. Right? All right, awesome. Um, I've had a chance to look through it. I've had the the copy for a while, um, and I am excited for it to be released officially because I do think um the poetry is incredible. My mom um kind of got me into poetry, if you will. She's a poet herself. So um I have a a great affinity for it, and I I love when people, you know, put out things like this from their heart because it takes a lot of imagination to be able to put yourself in that place, Um, and it really kind of wears on your soul a little bit, so I I definitely appreciate the work you're doing for this, especially for, um, you know, the focus that you have, which is on missing and murdered women who are also people of color um, or minorities in general. So, if you could give us a brief introduction about yourself, how you got started, where this book came from, etc.
3: Sure. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. My name is Cynthia Palayo. I'm an international Latino book award-winning author and an Elgin uh, Award-nominated poet. I write horror mystery uh, poetry, and now I've been dabbling in true crime as well. This, collection is something that i've been wanting to do for quite some time i've done presentations on our obsession with with true crime and true crime culture i consume a lot of true crime that's probably more that definitely goes into the obsessive (laughs) category i'm just i'm also um a um doctoral candidate in psychology um and business psychology so i i do study and diagnose like businesses and organizations and that a lot of d- that deals with people and how people work together so just like the w- human psychology is, also plays a big part into my fascination with this so uh it's something that i've been wanting to do for quite a long time and i just felt like now was the right time to release this project and it's it covers 109 cases um and each state is represented so there are a minimum there's a minimum of one poem per case some states have uh, a couple more um two to probably three or four and yeah so I'm ready to just talk about it uh talk about some of my research uh into these cases
2: yeah no um the first one I wanted to talk about and it sticks to me kind of immediately um I'm a native Texan so um cases in Texas are you know near and dear to my heart. It's it's something I can easily focus on because it hits our news um, quite frequently more so than other cases. Um, and one of the cases that has popped up in the media recently um, was about Vanessa Guillen who went missing at Fort Hood and then was later found um, after being murdered by one of her, um, sadly, one of her counterparts in the military um at Fort Hood and Fort Hood kind of has a history sad history of people of color and women going missing from Fort Hood um and so i i wanted to kind of pick your brain about this and and wondering because this is fairly recent right so was this kind of like a a last addition to it when her story hit or like how did it come to be in the book
3: it was a poem that i had just written like just specifically for her
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And it, and that's funny because that po- that poem evolved over time. Because I'm writing, and the case is ongoing, and the last edit was that, oh gosh, the the news conference with her sister just gutted mm-hmm. me, and so I wanted to make people feel what I was feeling at that moment when I listened to her sister at the news conference, and nothing that I wrote. Was able to equate that, and so that's why I quoted her sister's words in, in there. Um, and then I also the last two lines were once the um, her killers were caught. Um, and so it, it's something that evolved over time, and I just felt like it was important. I had to include it. Um, it was. It, I mean, I, I fell down a. I fell down a lot of rabbit holes with a lot of cases, but in particular with Fort Hood that. You, And I think it's a common theme throughout the collection that there are these things that we do every day, go to work, go take our children to school. They're very Mm. everyday things that we do. Walking down the store to the grocery, Vanessa was at work. This is where she worked. This is where she lived. Where else are you supposed to feel safe? You're supposed to feel safe at work and at home. Um, and that's what I really wanted to communicate,
2: that these people were charged with taking care of her, and they didn't. Yeah, and it's an incredible poem. It it truly, um, I felt the same way when I saw her sister basically pleading for information, for help, um, that the family wasn't receiving, and that truly, um, you know, what we felt, especially me, I'm Mexican. I don't go by Hispanic or anything like that. I'm just like, a Mexican. That's what I am. Um, In our community, you know, this is, this is serious. And we were like, no, of course, nobody's going to take us seriously. I have a young niece who's considering um, going into the army and, and, and enlisting. And after this happened, I said, you know, I don't know that I want you to do this. I'm actually really scared for you because, you know, you hear things about the military, you know, things are swept under the rug but this is something that should have never happened you know their the cameras everything i mean there was no monitoring and no seriousness taken in her harassment claims if you will mm-hmm. um and so it was really disappointing and it really frightened me not just for myself because i'm kind of away from it by watching it as a consumer if you will on on tv But when I think about my own family member, my own niece, who I've seen grow up since she was a child and come into this world, there's no way that I would ever knowingly be like, yeah, go and do this. Because while it may be a good opportunity, it is very scary after Vanessa Gein's death. You know, and and I I don't think a lot of people think about that in that sense, because you think about um, patriotism and everything like that. But, you know, I think about. Her. And every time I think about Vanessa, I think about her and it would destroy our family, you know, in the way that I can only imagine Vanessa's family feels destroyed.
3: Right. And then yeah. just going to, um, I'm not sure if it was in that interview. Uh, it was actually in the, it was in an interview after her body was recovered she mm-hmm. said that her mother still hadn't been told <laughs> like her mother was in bed and she was on sedatives because, How can you function as a mother, knowing that your child is missing? And it just makes me emotional right now. Knowing that her sister was dealing with all of this, knowing that they have recovered her body and very well knowing that her mother was suffering so much from it that she couldn't get out of bed. And to know that was her job as a daughter to go tell your mother, mom, our beautiful sister, the one that you birthed and you Mm -hmm. breastfed. And that you took to school on the first day, we found her mutilated remains buried in a pit.
2: Yeah.
3: It's that's it's harsh and the poetry is brutal. And I make the reader come up to these very awful things because these awful things are happening to yeah. people. And it regardless of regardless of your any affiliation, political affiliation, religious affiliation, that does not matter at these are humans. Sorry. (laughs) The puppy agreed with me. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's something that we can all agree with regardless of our positions, regardless of our statuses, that these are people that were loved and that were here and that are no longer here because at one point somebody deemed that they had power over them to dispose of them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Um, now, how did you come to select the cases? Because there are a lot of cases that you've chosen from. And I was wondering how you made the determination of how those are going to be, you know, how you pick which ones are going to be in the um,
3: book. That was hard because um, I, I, every time I would pass on a case, I felt like I was ignoring another woman whose case had been ignored for so long. So that was something that I struggled with internally for a long time because I knew that I wanted to include their names. I, I knew that that was important. I knew that their name, date of missing, their, their, their race was very important. But I included mm-hmm. that um, as well. I, I could talk about that later. But um, uh, as well as an investigating agency phone number, because then I felt, OK, I'm going to talk about these women. And then what? You know, so I thought that was important to track down these phone numbers and include that as well. Uh, as I started writing, I had to organize myself pretty quickly, um, just because you can get kind of get lost. And so did I, would I do only missing women? Would I do only murdered women? Would I do children? Would I do young women, uh, adults? And so I made a point that I would be as balanced as I could, but if I felt an emotional pull to these cases, I, I felt like there was something in my gut that would go with them. I wanted to do, that's why I thought that selecting one case per state was important because then anybody can see that this is a wide ranging problem. It's not just like a specific region or a very inner city. I live in yeah. Chicago. Um. And this is, uh, I I also wanted to make sure, so I mean, there are cases that are very rural communities or cases from reservations or cases from big cities, um, you know, wealthy suburbs. So I wanted to be able to include that range. I also wanted to include a range of ages from, I have days old, to, I believe the oldest case is 75. Mm -hmm. I also didn't want them to be so cold case that people didn't. Feel a sense of urgency behind this. So I believe the oldest case might be like 1970 in the
2: early 70s. Yeah. So uh,
3: I, the range of disappearances, like you have people going to work, people, uh, domestic abuse um, was hinted at. There, serial killers were covered, and just possibilities that people actually got lost <laughs> in forest. Yeah. Uh, or rivers, or, um, you know, accidentally disappeared. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I didn't, I wanted it to be this range. And one of the most terrifying poems that I wrote um, was one that was just like 29 words. And it was, uh, I am on my way. I'm trying to look for the words, but it's like, I am on my way. And it was a case where the young woman was getting off the bus. And she was mm-hmm. texting somebody. I am going to the bus. I'm going to get off the bus. I am almost there. And the, from the point of the bus stop to that person's house where she was going was half a block. So in half oh, a wow. place, a person went missing. So I wanted to also make a commentary. Oh, the messaging you one. Yeah, messaging you. Yeah. yeah. Where I wanted to make a a commentary where it's like, how safe are we? When someone can go missing, um, this is dino uh, Like, how safe are we when a young woman can go missing in the daylight from a bus stop on the block? That's that makes no sense to me.
2: Like, um,
3: you would know, you I, mind
2: reading that one to us? Because it is really, really powerful. Um, I came across that one in the way that you describe it now, because. I didn't get a chance to like look up every thing, you know what I mean? I was like, okay, I earmarked it or highlighted it in my PDF and everything. But if you don't mind, um, sure. we are just so you guys know, the book is going to be published on the 28th um, and I will be sending a free copy to a lucky listener today. So if, or not today, but whenever it's released. So if you guys pay attention towards the end, I will tell you kind of the word you need to use in Um, the giveaway to make sure that you're entered for it.
3: Sure. So it is uh, messaging you. I am on my way. I will see you soon. I'm taking the bus. I am on the bus. I got off the bus. Walking almost there, I am. So it's probably one of the shortest poems. And it just ends mid-sentence as she was texting somebody because that's how
2: quickly she disappeared. It's insane to me, truly, how things like that happen. Um, Because it does, I mean, we are fortunate in the true crime community that we get this foresight, you know, with the cases that we cover. We get to see how people became victims of crimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not always by circumstance, like most people think missing and murdered people um, I, I look at my friend Marissa, she hosts the Vanish podcast, and she often gets very, depending on who the person is, on who the missing person is, um, varying emails of whether or not this person deserves to be found or deserves to have a case because they, you know, engaged in illegal activity, either sex work or drugs, or you know, they were in a domestic violence situation. Um, more so than somebody who say was you know, a happy mom of five who just happened, you know, to get abducted one day and had no like criminal history or no, you know, red marks on their case of life, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's astounding to me because I'm like, it doesn't matter that somebody is on drugs. They are still a person and they still went missing and they're, they still belong to a family. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of interesting. And what would you do, I guess, if you got that type of feedback with any of the cases that you've put into this book? It's funny
3: because one of the poems actually addresses that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, "Discard the Words," uh-huh. and it's um, my. It, it's about a, a woman named Audrey Lynn Harris, and uh, it was my commentary on those words: high risk lifestyle. Oh yeah. I feel like that then gives license that says it's okay that this person was killed by a person because of their lifestyle. And I think mm-hmm. that, I think that should make us terrified that we are okay that someone killed somebody because of whatever lifestyle that they lived. That tells me then that they're still a killer walking around. So if mm-hmm. they're capable of killing this person in this particular circumstance, how do you know that they're not capable of picking up your child on their way to school or picking right. you up or getting out of Target or, I don't know, getting angrier at your husband at a bar? So it doesn't matter what uh, and I think my commentary on like sex work or whatnot. Um, it does. It doesn't ju- it just doesn't justify
2: mm-hmm.
3: human beings nothing justifies somebody being taken by someone they don't know being violated and you know and that's sexual deviancy and that's a huge there's a huge discussion about sexual deviancy and then being discarded and forgotten about and ignored by i'm not going to say all law enforcement but ignored by some law enforcement who then you know law enforcement's overwhelmed
2: they're overwhelmed
3: yeah. with cases and so there might be some bias that somebody might have. And that's scary because yeah. that also happens. Then where does the bias start bleeding into? Will it bleed into your 16 year old runaway daughter that they're not going right. to look at her because she's 16 and beautiful. And she, maybe she went out with friends for the night. So I think we need to not be okay with, <laughs> with, with any of this because no, I agree. Start and stop point.
2: Yeah. Because that's so true when you hear, um, again, going back to the vanish, when you hear these families coming on and saying, I went to the police and either because of their lifestyle or because of how they, you know, looked or acted in their past, they're like, oh, they'll probably be back tomorrow, you know, or it's a teenager, of course. And I'm like, sure, teenagers run away. Of course it happens, but they should still be searched for. You know, it's not like, oh, well, he this one time, um, I always used the story of my brother to kind of prove this point where I'm like, my brother had been in so many accidents in his life that he literally had (laughs) rolled a car over and walked out and it was fine. And then the last time um, he chose to drink and drive. And we got a call saying like, hey, he's, you know, in the hospital, me and my older brother are sitting here like, oh my God, he'll be fine. Like he's gotten his throat slashed. He's rolled a car over. He's done all these things. Like he will be okay. And we didn't think anything of it until, you know, our mom tells us that no, he's gone, you know, like he's brain dead and that's it. And so you're just like, I mean, you're in shock, but it's, it's pretty much the same thing because you're, you don't take it seriously because it's happened so many times before. Mm -hmm. And I mean, would it have changed anything? No, for us, you know, but in retrospect, we should have been more cautious and aware when we got that phone call to be like, okay, something serious is happening. You know, before we were like, ah, whatever. Um, you know, it's scary every time, but then once you realize they're fine, you're like, oh, okay, no big deal. Um, and, and maybe that's the relief that parents, whenever they do discover their kids, um, or finally, you know, find them, get that relief. And, maybe may not worry as much the next time. I have no idea. I'm not a parent. So yeah. I don't know what that's like to have a constant, you know, runaway or anything like that, but I would still want my kid searched for no matter what. And if I'm telling you as a parent that this is not normal behavior for my child, then I need you to trust me and, you know, do what you can to help find them.
3: Right. No, I agree. You know,
2: it's,
3: Children are still children and, and, yeah. and, you know, the, the laws or the, the policies on X number of hours that you put in, you know, uh, you know, the, the search for an individual, I feel like it varies from, it varies widely um, in, in some cases. And I think that, you know, something as simple as the Amber Alert. Yeah. That that has saved lives. Mm-hmm. We can make small changes um, in order to take care of one another. Because ultimately, you know, I look at it as we're all here together. <laughs> we're all on this planet together. I think we can't be okay with ignoring other people. Because in that, what, what, then, then, what are we then at, at that right. in humanity? Like, are we just we're just making these arbitrary decisions that, okay, well, that person's life doesn't matter. And then this person's life doesn't matter. Well, that person was working at as a stripper. So I'm not going to go search for her. It's like, right. Is that okay? Like, I just don't, I just don't want to live on a planet where it's okay to think that way. I think these are still people and they're still loved. And, um, if we ignore these issues, then, it can become very scary. And after I yeah. was searching the number of cases, it's a very scary thing to see. Absolutely. How many people have just even gone missing from their house. Like this person was at their house or this person was at the job. Like I walked into the office and I know she was there because her purse was there, but her car is Where what, what happened to her? It's so this Yeah. The, it, there, there's so absolutely people. true. And, and then again... These killers are out there, and somebody knows something, and they're living next door to us, and they're working with us or they're living mm-hmm. with us that's terrifying that they're yeah. walking around with no conscience and that they are okay <laughs> with doing these awful things,
2: yeah, I think the one that really kind of besides Vanessa's that stuck out to me um I think about this case quite a lot because um i I hate the term missing white girl syndrome, but that's I mean, that's kind of well known within the true crime community. But it's basically, you know, any person who isn't Caucasian is going to have um, you know, all of the the force of the police like helping them and looking for them and making sure that they're okay. But the poem you did on Relisha Rudd, hmm, I think about that case a lot. And it's so so sad. And to me, it seemed very solvable if they had done a better job in the investigation mm-hmm. um, but you you did such a phenomenal job putting me there and it really broke my heart honestly um, thinking about that because it's just like this little girl is so vulnerable wow. and she's probably the most vulnerable because she's in a homeless shelter where there's not really a place to run you know like if you're at home you have your room to go to or you have your mother there and you two are in your own little world and protected but in a shelter it's kind of you know a doggy dog world it's like you're protecting your stuff and making sure that you're okay and that's it and nobody's looking out really for anything um and it's really devastating to to think that she had gone 30 days before she had been reported missing um, it's insane to me um, that that happened. And then, of course, you know, the guy who who most people believe did do something to her, you know, ended up committing or completing suicide um, and then also murdering his wife. So, I mean, the signs point to him, really. I know some people thought sex trafficking, et cetera, but the signs really pointed to, I think, the janitor who had worked in the homeless shelter. and. How, like i said earlier about poetry it really kind of forces you to get into that mindset so that you can convey those emotions that you're wanting people to feel um that's kind of how i approach my writing with the true crime fan club is i want to put people in the room i want you to envision this and i want you to see this um not to not to make it you know glamorous or to be like oh my gosh isn't this amazing but to truly help you understand the fear, like, to me, that's what the scariest part is, is the fact that I can imagine the fear of these people, um, in their last moments, yeah, you know, so I, I'm curious as to how, um, because I, you mentioned earlier, you're a mother, how this case, or how this particular poem may have affected you, if at all, oh gosh, this one,
3: (laughs) this one, and then the St. Louis, Little Oh gosh, that one's sad. Yeah. That one was, I mean,
2: I think with any child, it's obviously sad and it's right. It shouldn't happen, you know? Right. And there, there are quite a, there
3: are a few young child cases in here. There's Mm -hmm. one, you know, a case where there were little girls having a slumber party. And when the parents woke up in the morning, they found that the screen had been taken off the window. And the daughter was missing, but the friend was still there, and so it mm-hmm. it makes me terrified. It makes me that when every single I am I am completely paranoid, and I as a consumer of true crime, I am convinced everybody's a serial killer because <laughs> I really am. Because you know, it's, it's my, a th- fair thought. It's, it's, it's a, a, thought. a serial killer, and so my my husband thinks it's hilarious because like I don't trust anybody. I am not chatty at all. Like if I, you know, he. If I am at the store and someone strikes up, and and of course I'm from Chicago, so I live in a city where, even though Chicago is slightly different than New York, New Yorkers are a little bit more cold than Chicagoans. We're we're Midwestern, so we're we're kind of chatty here. I don't talk to anybody. I don't (laughs) know anybody. I don't trust anybody. I don't give anybody any type of information that kind of could be used that lets them really know who I am. Because Mm -hmm. awful people out there. There They're really awful people. And I think what this just consuming true crime and then invest, you know, in to write and, you know, I'm excited to talk to you because I'm sure you were able to pick up uh, as opposed to like, you know, my traditional readers in the horror community or mystery community, you're able to pick up on some, a lot of the little nuggets that I kind of scattered throughout with some of these clues or people in the true crime community might, might know, um, you know, I kind of dropped in Israel Keyes' name in one of the cases because there was a, a suspicion that she was actually murdered by Israel Keyes. Um, right. Small little things like that. And, um, you know, like in the Relisha Rudd case, I mentioned, you know, 42-gallon trash bags were were purchased by him before he died. And so, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so just going back to the question, as a mother, I am terrified. I think that... We need to be careful and take care of one another. And if something is weird, if you feel weird about something, it you know I I, I love you know the don't be don't feel like you have to be nice and pleasant. You know if yeah someone like is, my favorite murder says yeah if someone is so like hilarious. yeah exactly if someone is creeping you out if someone is chatting with your child in the store you have every right to be like no get the hell away from me get away. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call the police. I, I love, I call the police for everything. Like I will call (laughs) the police if I hear like a noise that's too loud, like you have every right to protect yourself and to protect your family. And if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. So one thing that I definitely want to stress, um, I think women are a little different today where we're Maybe historically women were taught to be pleasant and to be nice mm-hmm. and to please. And I think we're a little bit better about teaching our daughters like you don't have to please anybody. <laughs> you don't right. have to be, give anybody a hug. You know, you protect yourself. And if you don't like the way that little boy's playing with you, you or that your boyfriend's talking to you, because some of these cases could have very well been boyfriends, husbands, lovers, um, people that were infatuated with them. So Nobody, you don't owe space to anybody. So that's as a mother, as a woman, uh, protect yourself. And don't be, you don't, I mean, if you offend somebody, oh well. (laughs) If you cross cross the street, if somebody's walking too close to you, oh well. You don't owe anybody anything. And at the end of the day, if you're just overreacting or being paranoid, well, you're still going to go home and you're going to be okay.
2: I'm going to pause the case right here so you can hear a word from our
1: sponsors.
2: I agree with that. My mom and grandma are totally responsible for my paranoia because my grandma used to read detective magazines and she got too scared and stopped reading them. But then she, all she watches is like investigation discovery and same for my mom. Like my mom gave me my first, you know, true crime book and I, it blew my mind. Cause I was like, these people exist. These people are real. I had no, I had no concept of that whatsoever that, that was real, even though they had terrified me before saying that, you know, if you walk outside by yourself without permission or without anybody knowing somebody's going to take you those that didn't correlate with me, that those were the same people in these true crime books. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um your mom and then. Your mom would tell you if you go outside, someone will take you. Oh my god! My, yeah, my mom and grandma. Oh, uh, well, super talk. super Mexican. <laughs> I'm Puerto Rican. Yeah.
3: So I think maybe it's a Latina thing because my mother was always
2: like, "If you go outside, someone's going to take you." Exactly. A hundred percent. It's like yeah. my friends could walk to school, and I, I mean, I lived super close to my elementary school; like it was right up the street. I wouldn't. I'd be. I'd be passing by family members' homes, yeah. um, and it would still terrify the crap out of me I'd be like oh my god she I couldn't go outside without my brothers accompanying me and even then they were like no you can't go like I couldn't open the door step on the porch without saying like hey I'm opening the door yeah and then they would be like no I'm not taking you and I remember one time I snuck out of the apartment we were living in in Irving which not a great idea when I was younger I snuck out of the apartment we were living in because my mom had gone out um, on a date, I think, and my brothers were there supposed to be watching me, climbed out of the window. And I walked over to my friend's house and we went to Sonic because they had like the sit-in boots and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this is so great. And then I realized like, oh crap, it's so dark and it's late. And I was so scared um, that like, I terrified myself thinking about it. I was like, oh, what an idiot. Like I was so stupid as a kid. Cause I was just seeking this adventure I don't know if my mom knows that she's in here. Really? So okay. I'm okay. Obviously, I lived. <laughs> but um yeah, my brothers were too occupied doing something else. I was like, yes, um, to go. And it it was a poor choice, you know, but I think we have that that benefit now of doing true crime mm-hmm. and knowing kind of what those signs are, knowing that it could it can happen literally anywhere. It does not matter that you are in a dark alley you could be walking up your front door, you know, up your front steps to your door and it could happen in broad daylight. We've we've seen videos published um, of, of a young lady, especially the one that I forgot her name, but the one case that comes to mind is she literally went down the street 10 minutes to, to Target and was followed by somebody in Target and she goes to put her stuff up. I think she was making something for her boyfriend or something. She goes to put stuff up in her car and she's abducted. And they find her body after tracing her phone calls and things like that or pinging her phone, um, you know, they end up finding her. But it's it's something as simple as that. It's like you have to really pay attention, you know, to your surroundings or you could easily become a victim just like anybody else. And, you know, heaven forbid anybody thinks anything in your past makes you unworthy <laughs> of being searched for. And, you know, it's
3: it wasn't her fault. And no, no.
2: And she so didn't do anything.
3: She didn't do anything. And, you know, all we can do is think, well, if I'm in a position where I'm in a parking lot and I'm opening my trunk and I'm putting my bags and I notice someone that's a little too close, drop your bags, okay. mm-hmm. drop your bags and, you know, just, or take your bags and, and go to walk back in the store. It's these, right. these little things that, you know, you might look silly, who cares? It's just you that's recognizing those things. Um, so it's these little things that I've kind of, taken away from all of this, but it's, mm-hmm. and and it's just, again, it's something so simple. She didn't do anything. And even if she did, even if she was, you know, out drinking or cut school and then mm-hmm. to the beach, nobody should be murdered <laughs> and yeah. brutalized for cutting school and going to the beach or having yeah. drinks with
2: girlfriends. That makes sense. No, absolutely not you should not be punished for living your life. Truly. It's, it's absurd to me. Um, there was, sorry, another case that I was thinking about. Um, you had mentioned it earlier about one of the younger cases that you had, which is the three day old, um, infant who went missing.
3: Um,
2: and I have a friend who is also doing a podcast on fetal abductions and I don't understand them at all um because they often do you know murder the mothers to be able to get the fetuses and hopefully if they if the baby survives then they end up raising this child as we saw with Kamaya Mobley um who had been living this whole life you know outside of it but i i think those cases are probably the hardest ones because they have no definitive features whatsoever mm-hmm. um you know for like a little baby they kind of all look the same and it's it's insane to me um that that happens but it, it brought back memories of one of the very first cases i did um for true crime fan club which was on albert fish oh, yeah. very known prolific serial killer um way back in like the 30 40s um in new york and he basically targeted ghettos if you will um burrows and stuff where The Hispanic population was pretty high. The African-American population was pretty high and where they were mostly poor. And the reason that he did this was because he said in his confession that nobody would miss them, that they couldn't even afford a ransom. So they often if, you know, if one of their children went missing, they would tell the police. But the police were like, well, you know, if you can offer a ransom and they couldn't. So they would kind of just give up and not search for their kids. And they'd end up turning up to be victims or found later. Um, deceased. So I think about that and I'm like, what makes it easy for these children to be taken? You know, like, is it their location, their proximity, the neighborhood that they're in? Why is it so, so easy, I guess. I I don't know. You know, how do these people know that this is happening? Um, And that one still kind of boggles my mind about it, that you know, you can give birth and take your baby home thinking everything's fine. And I can't even imagine the nightmare of walking into the nursery and your baby isn't there.
3: It's, it's awful. And I, it make, it's funny just talking about, um, you know, these types of cases that I it didn't include her case, but Marlon Ochoa here in Chicago. Oh yeah. yeah, that case, that was, I remember calling my mother every night while they were searching for her. And then um, it was a, Marlon was probably, how old was she? She I don't want to, I think she was 19. She was really young, pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, She was lured with the offer of baby clothes. Yes. Um, Like they mostly are like they mostly are. And then um, which is Mm -hmm. sad because these are women that need things. Right. Um, Yeah. So a mother and her daughter assisted and um, you know, suffocating Marlon and taking the baby and the baby was a uh, brain dead and later died. And Marlon's body was recovered and, and a, yeah. in a garbage can here in Chicago. And that case, just, I just remember just crying because I just couldn't this beautiful girl, beautiful girl yeah. getting her high school and she had a little boy and, you know, it just makes you wonder about the, like, <laughs> and there is, There is no reasoning or even understanding some of these. Right. Yeah. There is, there is none. And I think that's one thing that I've slowly come to realize, like, oh my gosh, how could, how could Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, abduct these young men and do these things things Exactly. And there's, there is no logic at that point. That's, they're predators. They're mon- mm-hmm. these people are monsters, and so if you think there's any reasoning with them, which is why I say, if you see something that's strange, you know, use your power, use your voice, get away from these people, because if you get in the car with them, you're not coming back home. <laughs> you know, right? If they, you know there was, I had uh, when I was in my twenties, I was waiting for the bus to go to work, and I remember this guy pulled over and he opened his passenger door and he said, get in. And I used as, as colorful language as I could. And he got back in his car. And I was like, okay, great. He's gone. No, he came back around, then got out of his car and I ran into traffic because Thank I, you. I told myself I would rather get hit by a car and get killed here on the street than get taken by this guy and God knows. Right. What. And so I ran into traffic and you know cars stopped and then the guy just got spooked and left. So yeah. Um, you know the problem isn't with in that in that case the problem wasn't with me the problem was with that person that thought and he it, could take you. Yeah, yeah that he could take me. And so mm-hmm. how many women how many women have similar stories? Right? Yeah. I'm sure a lot of a lot <laughs> and a lot of our friends and mothers and sisters have very similar stories so mm-hmm. how often
2: do they get away with it? Yeah, I I would think consistently. I had a former FBI agent who had the same experience, you know, and I'm like, it it literally, these types of events do not choose you based off of who you are. It truly is a random situation and it's scary. Um, Sorry if anybody is extra paranoid after this, but it's helpful for you to understand and to be aware of your surroundings. And I think that's the biggest message um that this book sends is to not only be aware for yourself but to also be aware for others Mm -hmm. so that if you see something that's odd remember it or say something about it we always have that phrase see something say something and oftentimes you have people who are sitting on information that they feel isn't valuable Mm -hmm. or that the police already know about this and you find out you know like two decades later that that would have helped crack the case open If they knew this, like one minute detail. So to me, that's also what I got from this book is that there were opportunities for something to stop this. If somebody had seen something or know something, because more often than not, somebody does know something about these cases. Mm -hmm. Um, Either they participated or they know the person or they saw something that they think is irrelevant or they saw something that was weird and they're like, eh or something like that and if we were just more open without without being concerned if we were being accusatory or impolite if you will um maybe we would have different outcomes i you did the <laughs> a very popular case in the true crime community the murray yeah. um case um she has <laughs> her case is just marred with unfortunate drama um, that has nothing to do with her specifically, but just the people who investigate the um, the case. Um, but I loved the title because it's truly, it, it, it encapsulates what her case is about, which is all questions, no answers. No matter how hard we try, because there's so many theories abound about, did she just walk away from it all? Was she abducted? Did she walk into the woods and, you know, pass away in there? Did somebody help her get to Canada? Um, it died. My apologies.
3: My um, internet's gone. That went down the other day. I was like, oh no, my God. So I don't know what you heard about the Maura Murray thing. We're talking about Maura Murray. And I didn't include, I included just like a few of these like high profile true crime cases for the, a lot of cases I felt like tried to be more low profile, but there were some that were just like I, I the ones that are really high profile I talked about them because it's like there's so much light shop sh- you know sh- showing on these cases why yeah. why is that and so I kind of made you know this attorney which that case is completely bizarre and oh my gosh that father was just recently thank goodness because that creep he's been <laughs> and, arrested oh gosh it's just yeah. this arrogance you know over the years and interviews and commentary I'm like how is this how is this guy walking free? Yeah. Clara's day that he was involved. He did it.
2: Oh yes. His daughter, um, Sarah Turney did it or hosts a podcast about it. Um, voices for justice, okay. I believe. Yes. Um, and I always get it mixed up with another podcast called voices, victims, the voices of the victims. So I think it's voices for justice. Um, but we've been following her journey since before she started her podcast and she came on to um, she came to our true crime podcast festival basically as a day one podcaster who was, you know, not sure she was going to get any support, but we all rallied behind her. And when she announced that her father had been arrested um, in suspicion of, you know, the murder of her sister, which to us, it's, totally clear because she has such a different perspective than anybody who's investigated this case. She was there. um, And she can attest to his conduct and his extremely odd behavior and the videos that she has access to um, because, you know, the Phoenix police didn't give it to her or they didn't take it into evidence. Mm -hmm. It's insane. And you can see how predatory he is towards her. And it's, it's disgusting. And you wish that more, some more people wouldn't have been afraid of him -hmm. To to do something or say something about what happened,
3: right? Yeah, I'm I'm so glad. I I was wrapping up the collection once it was announced that he was caught or arrested. I was like twenty, almost twenty years. Yeah, like thank goodness that um you know she, you know her sister continued fighting for her. her Yeah, didn't
2: let anything come in in the way of that, and she's going to be a great victims' advocate. And the future, for other cases too, I think that's her plan is to continue to, to oh. do that for other cases and other people, um, because she knows, you know exactly what it's like to have somebody go missing out of the blue in your life, and then just manipulate you afterwards, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She was in the boat that her dad didn't do anything, that he was he sure. didn't commit the crime, and he had convinced her, mm-hmm. essentially that, you know these people were crazy, and of course Alyssa ran away um and then she got to look at everything kind of through a different lens after she was interrogated about her father with the whole explosive situation and finally kind of had that that moment where she was like holy shit like he did do this right that that i can't even imagine what and she still doesn't really recall any of that interrogation she hears it on the tape and is like oh my god i I don't remember this. I'm like, it's your trauma response dude. It's yeah. like you're used to blocking out yeah. things like that because that's just the response you have to it. Like that's how your brain's protecting you. Yeah. It's insane. Awful. It's incredible. Um, Well, we're wrapping up close to our time. So I'm going to give everybody what they want. So again, the book comes out on is September that- 20th. Oh, sorry. A- it's actually out. <laughs> oh, is it? yeah it is actually Wait, out. did it come out august 28th yes yes august 28th. okay that's my bad my bad guys <laughs> she's like hold on okay sorry i uh, still forget we're not in september or, i don't know it's quarantined my friends no let's just yes. pretend that i said it's already out august 28th sorry i forgot i thought it was i don't know it time happens.
3: I'm so time sorry. Knows, time, no one's knows,
2: knows right now. So <laughs> I no, I like, I'm like, really I seriously, start. I was like, this is perfect timing. Great. The 28. Okay, well, it's out. So now I don't have to wait. So, <laughs> um, so if you guys um want to enter into the pod or into the drawing for the book, all you have to do is send me a DM or an email email to my email address. Everybody should know it by now. Um, But it's tcfcpod at gmail.com. And all you need to include in the title is Into the Forest so that I know you listened to this part. If you include book and blah, 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 you're not entered. Into the Forest is what you need to put in the subject line. And then I will announce it for the next um, Get Vocal live stream, And then I'll have it sent to you and everything. And so you can get a copy of it. And it's really great writing for me, it puts me there. So I hope that it does the same for anybody else who decides to pick up the book. I'm also going to include the link in the show notes. So everybody, um, if you can't wait for it, or you don't want to risk the drawing, you are so welcome to buy it. Um, And like I said, it's incredible. You will have a lot of content to read. And it'll also give you an opportunity to look into these cases that you may have never heard of, and help bring awareness to them by sharing you know, their stories on your social media or, you know, asking your pod favorite podcasters who do shows like this to cover them on their, goodness gracious, to cover them on their podcast. There's a lot of advocacy work that just as a listener of a podcast that you can do to help bring these stories to light. So I hope that you guys take that opportunity to do that. Um, probably don't have a lot of time for questions, but if anybody does have any, feel free to Um, hop on and ask your question or type it in the chat while we have some time. Um, But Sina, is there anything else you want to add kind of closing um, about the book or what you're hoping people get from the book?
3: I please read the names. I, you know, read the names. I think that's very important to me that their names are known. If you see something, if you heard a story from long ago that you think can be a clue, can be some insight. I mean, call in a tip line it
2: it mm-hmm.
3: takes, it takes seconds. it takes minutes. You never know what valuable information that you may be sitting on. and these people were here and they were beautiful and they were loved and many of these parents died, never knowing what happened to their daughters. Many of these parents um, are in their you know, last few years, and I think the greatest gift that we can give them is some um, resolution. Closure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, not closure,
3: I guess. Closure is to know that, tell them what happened to their, their daughters and their mm-hmm. family members. Um, and please stay safe. Please stay vigilant. Protect yourselves and take care of
2: one another. For sure. Um, we do have a question. It asks if you will be translating this book into Spanish. That's a great question. I don't know yet. I will find out. <laughs> I, yeah, we'll it might, yeah, might work out. It might work out. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Another question from Facebook is: Have you decided to create a part two to this or another series on true crime poetry? Yes. <clears throat>
3: There, you heard it here. There's some folks that will likely be out 2021. That I awesome. I have this another it's it'll be in the true crime continuation. Let's see. Yeah. Let's
2: see. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. I can't wait for that because I already love this book. So and I'm excited for whoever's gonna win it because I, I truly think you are going to um thoroughly enjoy reading it and really get a lot from it um from a true crime perspective because a lot of our listeners really do care about the stories they read about. That They're not just consumers for, you know, for fun. They truly want to do something about it and they want to be advocates. So I hope that this helps them kind of find something, you know, maybe a story sticks with them or a poem sticks with them and they decide to look it up and are like, yes, I want to help. How can I, and do that? Um, that's how a lot of these cases have started is because somebody found something interesting and decided to, you know go the extra mile to get that person's name out so you could be doing a lot of you know making a lot of difference in somebody's life if you just you know help put the word out for their family members who are missing um I want to thank you Sina for coming on it has been an absolute pleasure um I love having authors on to talk about their work especially when it's focused on things like this um in the true crime community, you don't see a lot of creators of color Prom, you know, what am I saying? Um, (laughs) They're not really well noticed, if you will, or well known as well as other creators are that are bigger in the um, genre. Um, And there's been a big push lately to, to push those voices forward and to um, make sure that they are recognized. And so I hope that that does this for this case of, or this um, show as well that we're able to help highlight other creators of color and other women of color in this podcast sphere and so if you're interested in um, looking at Cena's book or reviewing Sina's book please get in contact and we can make sure that you do that so that you can share this book with your audience um, and feel free to hit me up everybody follow me social media whatever and then Sina where can people find you
3: find me on twitter um, I'm at Cena C-I-N-A-P-E-L-A-Y-O. My website is the same, Um, I'm also on Instagram, CinaPalayo, author. Uh, that yes. Instagram. So that's where you can find me, Twitter, Instagram, or my email. And feel free, feel free to follow me on Twitter. Um, I tweet a lot about <laughs> true crime, horror, mystery,
2: so... I love that you do horror too. I was yeah. like, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> it's another favorite genre of mine. Yeah. Well, everybody, thank you again for tuning in to True Crime Thursday with Lainey on the Get Vocal platform. I had a wonderful guest, Cena Belayo, who just not re- did not just release her book. It was released August 28th of this year. It's called Into the Forest and All the Way Through, a collection of true crime poetry of missing and murdered women. I highly recommend you check Amazon. Um, is it also, um, I also try to promote local booksellers. Um, so is it published anywhere else besides Amazon? It will get on the Indie, um,
3: the Indies website soon. So hopefully that will be available because I do want to support Indie booksellers.
2: Awesome. So yes, just wherever you look for books, just search for it. Um, but you can, like I said, I'll include the link for the Amazon Purchase option if you would like to, and I will also see if I can find it on the bookstore, whichever one I use. I always forget the name of it, um, and I'll also include that in the show link so that you can um, search for the book and buy the book if you just can't wait. Um, I want to thank you, Sina, again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was no thanks. It was time so much fun forever. Like I feel like it
3: always goes. Anytime I talk true crime, I'm like it. The time goes by so fast.
2: Okay, fan club members. As I conclude this episode, my one question to you is, how will you sleep tonight? Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate, subscribe, and positively review the show on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. You can find us on most social media platforms, Twitter at TCFCPod, Facebook.com slash TCFCPodcast. We're also on Instagram at True Crime Fan Club Pod. If you have an episode request, send us an email, tcfcpod at gmail.com. This episode was researched and written by Susie St. John. Content editing by Brittany Martinez. Produced by the best in the business, Nico at we Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at WeTalkOfDreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com.
0: When something happens to your car, you might say...